Well, it all started back in 1914. None of us were around in 1914. It was President Woodrow Wilson. He's the guy who, in 1914, proclaimed that the second Sunday of May should be recognized as Mother's Day, and so we've been celebrating that for the last 105 years. And so for a number of years, I want to share a part of my journey here, a number of years, like most other pastors, I had the habit of praising and thanking all the moms in church for being such good moms. I got into the habit of thanking them for being good moms, thanking all the moms for bringing their little kids to Sunday school, thanking all the moms for praying with their children at bedtime, and thanking them all for teaching their children about Jesus. And I did that year after year after year until about 15 years ago. And I stopped. Because it was about 15 years ago when when I had two young women tell me, totally unbeknownst to each other, and probably a year or two in between these conversations, and these two young ladies, as far as I know, didn't even know each other. They told me that Mother's Day was the worst day of the year for them. And both of them told me, both of them told me, that they had made the decision that they were never going to go to church again on Mother's Day. Never. Both of them were married. Both of them wanted to have children. But God in His sovereignty had never allowed either of them to get pregnant. And so they both told me individually that when they went home on Mother's Day and people kept telling them and all the other women in church, Happy Mother's Day! They wanted to go home and cry. Because it was the most painful Sunday of the year. And probably still is the most painful Sunday of the year for women everywhere who would like to be moms but have never had the experience. And so 15 years ago, I made an intentional decision to be much more careful and much more thoughtful about how we as a church approach such celebrations. Because somehow, we as people who profess faith in Christ, and we as people who claim to love each other and care for each other and encourage each other, we, we want to represent Christ in everything we do. We, we need to somehow find a balance between celebrating with our moms while at the same time being sensitive and respectful to all the women in church who do not have children. So for our time together this morning... I'm not going to spend the next half hour thanking those of you who are moms. I'm not going to spend the next half hour thanking you for praying with your kids and thanking you for bringing your kids to Sunday school and all those things that I used to do 15 years ago because, like I said, I stopped doing that 15 years ago. For our time together, I want us to look at at some words from Scripture, and I call these wise words from a mom, okay? These are wise words from a mom who's having this conversation with her son 
And she is trying to explain to him what he should look for in a wife. Okay? So I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs 31. We are going to take a break from our sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. I'd like you to turn with me to Proverbs 31, which is sometimes, it has all kinds of little subtitles to it. Sometimes it's called a godly woman, or what to look for in a godly woman, or how to identify a godly woman. Now, if we were going to do this in a normal way, which we're not going to do, I would say, let's turn to Proverbs 30. You need to hold on here. I'm going to cough, and I'll turn. We're going to do this in a normal way. I'd say turn to Proverbs 31 and let's begin looking at verse 1. But no, that, we're not going to do that. We've got the scriptures on the screen, but you're much better off with the scriptures in your hand because we're going to go back and look at this again. But I'm going to skip the first nine verses. We're going to jump in at verse 10, okay? Proverbs 31, verse 10. Now let me read this. And if you don't have your Bibles along, you can follow it on the screen. Verse 10 says, An excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant who brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching of And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands. And let her works praise her in the gates. Now someone said that we should all set our goals high. Because setting goals high is better than setting goals low. But it seems to me, and I've read through this chapter many times, it seems to me that this woman here described in Proverbs 31 is a woman not only with high goals and big ambitions, but she is working 60 to 70 hours a week just to get all this stuff done. Now we're going to read through those same 21 verses again, only this time you're going to be, I'm going to read through in what is called the Steve Anderson translation, okay? So I'd like you to go back to verse 10, 
and you can follow along on the screen. I'm going to give you my interpretation of what these verses mean in 2019. Let's look at verse 10. Her husband realizes she's more valuable than diamonds. In verse 11, her husband has complete faith and confidence in everything she does, and he never complains about anything. Verse 13, she makes her family's clothes by hand. Verse 14, she purchases groceries for her family, not only from the store across the street, but she's willing to drive here and there and everywhere shopping for bargains all along the way. Verse 15, she gets up before the sun comes up to make sure that her family has a good breakfast. Verse 16, it's incredible. I, where, where are these women? Well, they're all right here at Crosspoint. I know that. Verse 16, she also works part-time as a real estate agent. Look at the verse. She works part-time as a real estate agent, buying and selling land, and she somehow has time to plant and care for a vineyard. Verse 17, she's a regular customer at Great Life Fitness. Isn't it say something like that up there? Yes. Verse 18, even though she got up before the sun rises, she stays up until after the sun sets. Verse 19, she's not out buying clothes for her family. She's at home making the clothes by hand. Verse 20, she has time to volunteer at the local food shelf. Verse 21, she is ready for anything and everything, rain or shine, because her children are well-dressed. In verse 22, she makes her own pajamas. Verse 24, not only does she make all her own clothes and all the clothes for her family, she has the time to make extra clothes and then she sells those extra clothes at a local store. Verse 25, after all that, she still has time to sit and laugh. Verse 26, she teaches Sunday school. Verse 27, she has no time for just sitting around relaxing. Verse 28, her children and husband never argue and complain about anything. They only praise her for all she does and who she is. And in verse 29, her, her husband says, Honey, you are the best wife on the planet. And at that point, he must be thinking about what he said back there in verse 10. Where on earth did I ever find a woman like this? That's the Steve Anderson translation. Now, when most of us read that proverb numbered 31. Like I said, we usually skip over verses 1 through 9, and then we slowly begin reading at verse 10. But, but let me give you a little background. The person who wrote Proverbs 31, well, it says in most Bibles, it begins something like that's a proverb from somebody named King Lemuel, who we know very little about. He begins the chapter by telling us that now, let's understand this. He begins this chapter by telling us that these things that he's about to talk about, these are things that his mom taught him when he was still living at home, long before he became a king. Now, let's read the first nine verses in the English Standard Version. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Verse 2. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, 
son and my vows. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It's not for kings, Olamule. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. The woman who taught her son these words wanted her son to understand, and, and I want us to understand this, these are the kind of things we need to teach to our sons. She wanted her son to understand, you only get one chance in life to do this right. That's all you get. You get one chance to do this right. Don't mess up. It's almost like this is not, not a sermon for Mother's Day. This is the kind of sermon that Trey should be sharing with the guys in his youth group. You only get one chance at this. You don't get to go around, go, and collect $200 and start over. It doesn't work that way. You get one chance to find the right wife. And the mom is telling her son, you get one chance to find the right wife, and your right wife is going to be my daughter-in-law. The son only gets one chance to raise his kids in the right way. That's all he gets is one chance to do it right. And the mom is telling her son, I want you to do it right because those kids are going to be my grandkids. So she tells her son three things. Now, I don't know if you have a notebook or you have a piece of paper you want to write down these three things or you want to put them in your notebook that you're bringing each week from the study on Mark. But here's these three things. Number one, number one, Stay away from women who destroy kings. Verse 3 says, Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. There are two verses in this verse, in verse 3, two Hebrew words in this verse. I want us to understand them. Because when we understand what these two words are, we'll have a better opportunity to understand what King Lemuel's mom was actually talking about. The first word in verse 3 is the word strength. It's a, in Hebrew, it's a combination of little tiny words all put together. The word strength in Proverbs 31.3 means this. It's a combination of physical strength, financial strength, which you and I would talk about wealth and riches and having a good job. And thirdly, included in that is a person with integrity and morality. And I can just picture this woman, you know, I'm trying to go back and picture what it would have been like in my house for my mom, and she probably would have had four fingers closed together, and that index finger would have been going right like this. Steve? You know, I could just picture her saying that to me. Don't destroy your life by wasting it on women who are going to destroy yours. The same Hebrew word, 
for strength shows up in 1 Kings 1.42. Let me read you that verse. He was still speaking when Jonathan, son of the priest Abiathar, arrived. Come in, Adonijah. I said, you're an honorable man, so you must be bringing good news. Honorable. Now, let's put all those little Hebrew words together and let's rewrite verse 3. It could read like this. Can you picture the mom telling her son this? Don't, do not give your physical strength, your wealth, your riches, your integrity, and your morality and your honor to women who are out to destroy you. The second word I want us to think about in verse 3 is the word destroy, which means... Well, it means pretty much what you and I would think destroy means. It means to wipe out. It means to obliterate. That same Hebrew word shows up in Genesis chapter 7 in the story of Noah and the flood. Now, without even reading the verse, you can just picture, as we're thinking about the earth after the flood, what does it look like? It has been destroyed. It has been wiped out. It has been obliterated. Verse 22 and 23 of Genesis 7 says this, Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. Here's our word. He blotted out. It's the same word that shows up back in Proverbs 31, verse 3, as the word destroy. You could, we could easily say he destroyed every living thing. In the English Standard Version, it says he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the earth, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. Now, there's a principle here that would say something like this. These are the words of a wise mom giving instructions to her son. But you and I could just as easily take these as wise words from a a mom to her daughter. This wise mom is telling her children, listen to me. I taught you not to take everything you have, your physical strength, your money, and your morals, and throw it away on someone who will just turn around and ruin your life, and then turn around and not only ruin your life, They're going to turn around and ruin the lives of my grandkids. Being a mother is a very important role that God chose to give to many women. But not all. Mothers have an incredible opportunity to influence the lives of their kids. And children are supposed to listen to what their moms tell them. Now those of us who are old enough to grow up in the 60s, how many... I'm not the only guy that grew up in the 60s. Jackie and I grew up in the 60s. Sharon grew up in the 60s. Okay, there, get those hands up. There we go. Some, you, the rest of you are too young to remember this. There was a group, uh, a, a female singing group called the Shirelles that wrote a song. I don't know whether they were Christians or not. They wrote a song based on those verses. Okay? Now, one of the blessings I'll give you today is that I will not sing that song for you but I'm going to give you the chorus, okay? Let's go back, let's go back now in Proverbs 31. This wise woman, without a name, is telling her son, named Lemuel, you get one chance to do this right. And if you don't do this right, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. That's basically what she's telling this guy. Now, in music, the Shirelles sang a song that went like this. 
Mama said there'd be days like this. There'd be days like this, my mama said. You remember that song? Yeah. The sad thing is, there will be days like that. There will be days like that in every guy's life who ever got married. Every guy will experience that song. There will be days like this. There will be days like this, my mama said. And those days will run in both directions. There will be good days. Oh, they will be the best days for those sons who took the advice of their moms and applied it to their life. But there will be bad days. There will be stressful days. There will be difficult days who ignored the wisdom of their mom and said, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm going to do what I want to do. And in both situations, whether sons today take the advice of their moms or they reject the advice of their moms, both those sons can sing that song. Mama said there'd be days like this. There'll be days like this, my mama said. And as King Lemuel is searching for a wife, he's remembering the things his mama told him. That's the first thing. Point number one, stay away from women who destroy kings. Number two, we could talk all afternoon about this next one. Practice moderation in your drinking. It says in verses 4 or 5 of Proverbs 31, it's not for kings, Ola Mule. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they forget, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. King King Lemuel's mom is telling him, you're better off not drinking at all. Okay, let's start with that. I can hear her having this conversation with this boy. You're better off not drinking at all. And then she'd probably pause and say, do you understand that? You're better off not drinking at all. But if you decide you need to drink, learn how to practice moderation. Because if you drink too much, you're going to make bad choices. And people are counting on you to make good choices. Your wife and your children, if God gives you children, your wife and your children are counting on you to make good choices. Number three. This is what his mama told him. Speak up for people who can't speak for themselves and defend the rights of the poor and needy. It says in verses 8 and 9, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. And then beginning, we've gone away through verse 9. Now then beginning in verse 10 and continuing for the next 21 verses, this wise mom is telling her son, if you're going to get married, If it's going to happen, choose someone who's in a right relationship with God. Because, here's what verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so, for all of you women and all of you men who have been blessed by God to have children, remember, you only get one chance to raise your kids. That's all you get. Don't waste it. Don't waste the opportunity that God is giving you. You 
Moms and dads, you have the opportunity to influence your kids and your grandkids in such a way that it will not only impact their world, but it will impact their family and their family's family for many generations. There's people out there who study all kinds of things. I discovered this last week that 17% of us have blue eyes. Okay, Let me just see how that works. If you've got blue eyes, raise your hand. Let me do the math. 17%. Thereabouts. 17% of all the people on the planet have blue eyes. 75% of us are right-handed. How many of us are right-handed? Okay, let's do the other. How many of us are left-handed? Exactly, 25%. 51% of us are male. 49% of us are female. So if you always thought or have you ever thought that, well, half the people in the world are men and half are women. No, it's really not. It's close. It's a little bit above 51% are male and a little bit less than 49% are female. But 100% of us have a mom. Now you think back in your life. God in his sovereignty allowed some of us to have really wonderful moms. And in all of God's sovereignty, others of us had moms well, they just, you know, they just were not so wonderful. But God still is at work. And it's our responsibility, all of us, as sons and daughters, it's our responsibility to honor our moms in ways that are appropriate. What God said to Moses on Mount Sinai is recorded for us in Exodus 20. And verse 12 is still true, and tomorrow the verse will still be true, and a year from now the verse will still be true, where Moses said to the nation of Israel, Honor your father and your mother. Now some of us have moms who are still alive, and others of us have moms who have already passed away. Some knew the Lord, some didn't know the Lord. Some, I think there were moms who didn't really understand how to be moms, probably because their mom didn't understand how to be a mom, and her mom before her didn't understand how to be a mom, and her mom's mom's moms before her didn't teach, they didn't teach their daughters how to be moms. And the same thing happens with dads. But no matter who our mom is, whether you would take a report card and give your mom an A, or you'd give your mom a failing grade, no matter what that is, God's word is true. You and I have a responsibility, if our mom is still alive, Beginning now, if we never understood this before, we have a responsibility to honor our moms. And all of us need to understand what that means and how we can apply that to our life. Now, before I close, let me give you a heads up about next week. Yes, we've got homework for next week. We're all going to read. Okay, 17%, raise your hand. 17% of us have blue eyes. Who's got blue eyes? Okay. 75% of us are right-handed. Who's got right-handed? Okay, how many are going to read Mark chapter 3 before you come to church next Sunday? Okay, 110%. That's great. There were two or three of you had both hands up, so I'm counting those. If you have time between now and next Sunday, just take 10 minutes and read Mark chapter 3. It'll familiarize your, you with what we're going to do when we get together next Sunday. Now, I'm going to ask the ushers to come. We're going to take this morning's offering. And I'm going to pray for the offering, and then we're, when we're done with the offering, we're going to sing one more song, and while all of that is happening, just so you're not confused, 
while all that is happening, just stay in the room here because we're inviting our Spanish congregation to come in here after we're done singing or during the song. And they're going to join us. We're going to have a brief Awana award ceremony at the end of the service, which involves both church groups. So let's ask the ushers to come, and I'll pray for that. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way you have blessed us. And uh, Lord, if we would just take the moment to be honest with ourselves, most of us, if not all of us, could agree that you have blessed us in, in ways that we don't deserve. You've given us things that we don't deserve. We have things in our possession that we really don't deserve. And you have cared for us and provided for us, and in a variety of ways, you've brought us to this very moment. So God, we thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you've done to us and with us. And Lord, as we're about to take this offering, we remind ourselves that this offering is a form of our worship. This is not just something we tag on at the end of the service. The way we give back to you should be in direct proportion to our relationship with you and to how much we appreciate who you are and what you're doing and what you've done for us. So we ask, Lord, that you would take these gifts, bless them, multiply them, help us to be good stewards of all that you entrust into our care. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.